Welcome to the Move Daily Health Podcast, where we share information to empower you to be your own health hero. Welcome back to the Move Daily Health Podcast. I'm Dane Wallace here with Freya Spence, and today is a bit of a special podcast as we will be doing our first self-care roundup. This self-care roundup podcast is gathering all the self-care tips from our last six podcasts and putting it into easily applied tools. So we're going to suggest anywhere from two to three ways that you can try to apply these self-care tips within your day to improve your health long term. Yeah, so we're just going to jump right into this. And the first thing that we like to discuss is the concept of journaling. Uh, journaling is something that both Freya and I do. We've had a few guests on the show now who have uh, spoken about their affinity for journaling and how it's helped them. So Freya, how would we go about telling people to get started with this? Journaling is often something that conjures up these uh, sort of images in people's brains of dear diary entries that could be a long and story-like endeavor. And what we're really getting at here when you start journaling is more of a brain dump. And that seems a lot more feasible for a lot of people, which is why nowadays you'll see that there are things published such as the five-minute journal or the two-minute journal, which is this year's recent edition that I saw. At the end of the day, what you need to commit to is just to start by putting a couple words on paper. You never have to get to the point where you're writing full, long entries unless that's what you'd like to do. But a brain dump can be as simple as acknowledging some of the things that you've accomplished that day. So one of the ways that we encourage people to start trying is to write down the top three things that they want to accomplish the next day. Then to write down the top three things that they are currently grateful for in that moment. And then to list the worry that they are most concerned with. This is one of the biggest things that can eat people up, especially when they're trying to go to bed at night, is they just go over and over in their head of all the things they need to do, all the things they're worried about, and create stories around it of potential scenarios. And simply putting pen to paper can help you get rid of that. And then after that, we suggest that people write something down that they're looking forward to in advance. That's just the general framework that we operate with. There are a lot of other ways to do it, but something like that can make you reflect on your day, reflect on what the most important things for you to act on tomorrow are without getting caught up in the 30 long list of shoulds. And it can help you empty your brain of all those cyclical thoughts before going into your next day. As Chris Flo in one of our episodes so aptly put it, we can get to the end of our day after doing a lot of things and think that we've accomplished nothing because we always have more things to do. But when he does his brain dump, it allows him to reflect on what he has and perhaps what he hasn't and what he's still concerned with and then move forward from there. So it's a really great way to hit pause, reflect, and then go forward with a little bit more of mindfulness going into your next day on what is really important for you to accomplish. Yeah, a lot of people really feel that when you mention journaling, it feels like it can be forced at first, that it's a big task to do at the end of the day, just another thing to add to the list. And it's, it's not the mindset to take around that. It's just to know at the end of the day, if you've been stressed out, if you feel like everything's just been a blur, you literally can take two minutes, be like, hey, I did this today. I'm proud of this. This is on my mind. 
I'm grateful for this. And then you can be looking forward to sleep, recharging, and starting that next day on a really positive note. So it doesn't have to be a big task list thing. It's literally quite a small, small thing. Start as small as possible. Just write one thing down, see if it helps your sleep, um, and go from there because it's something that has worked for a lot of our self-care experts, and uh, we can both attest to it, and uh, it's just a good tool for anybody to have. So that's the first one is journaling. Excellent. And um, on the heels of journaling and brain dumping is our second self-care tip, which kind of goes hand in hand with that. It's solo time. Whether you are an introvert or an extrovert, everybody needs some time for themselves. It is very common in this day and age that any gender age seems to be really busy just all day. Busy is just the common answer that people will reply to when people ask how they're doing. So this involves slowing down and then strategically fitting in time that's strictly just you with zero entertainment of other people, of Netflix, of computer surfing, and so on. So Dane's going to walk us through some of the best ways to start introducing little bits of solo time. And again, this isn't about carving out new time out of an already busy schedule this is about finding pockets in the day when you already have the time to kind of be by yourself so the best pockets we find to start doing this would be in the morning over lunch or in the evening so in the morning first thing when you wake up that can even mean if you have to set your alarm five minutes early just to wake up just to do a little bit of movement or if you want to do your journaling then or just to check just to check in with your body um, that's a great time just have some alone time just to see you know what's your body telling you do you have any you know anything on your mind anything in your body that's telling you you need to deal with and that's a great time right out of bed to deal with that the next best time again over lunch either making sure you spend time to eat alone give yourself a nice calm meal you can recharge there or do that with a social and then go for a nice quiet walk by yourself after that which is another digestive aid so over lunch is another time when you can fit that in and finally we just discussed journaling so in the evening right before bed it's just saying hey let's give myself five minutes ten minutes just to be alone just to breathe just to do a brain dump and some journaling anything that's going to help you check in with yourself to see if your body's telling you anything so by bookending your days or fitting it in over that lunch break when we tend to have a little bit of time those are some great moments to actually just spend some time with yourself to really check in with what's going on. If you have those really busy days, that midday five to 10 minute walk can do wonders as far as reducing overall stress load and then that sense of overwhelm or anxiety that a lot of people seem to experience. Now, that kind of goes hand in hand with our third one. Our third one is getting outside. In urban environments, we tend not to do that. In cold environments, we do it even less. The value of getting outside is showing up more and more in research as a great strategy for helping you improve your mental health. Spending time outside of an urban environment, trying to find any amount of green space in your day is crucial. It doesn't have to be long. Some of the research shows as little as 20 minutes is sufficient to feel a switch in how you're operating and to restore executive function. Executive function is often lost when we get overwhelmed by stressors within our day. Being in an urban environment, not seeing the light of day, being in a building all day are great ways to completely overwhelm your system. It's like you've been keeping your computer running for way too long without a shutdown. So if you take that solo time advice into the middle of your day and you spend that time outside even just for 10 minutes trying to find some green space with no other stimulus, no music, no other person around, 
that can have a massive impact in how well you feel going into the latter part of the day and how calm you are in your ability to execute. Not only that, if you're somebody who finds yourself really exhausted in the afternoon, craving sweet things, hitting the wall, so to speak, that little bit of outside time can completely regenerate how you operate through the latter half of the day. Yeah, the lunchtime is a great time to get that in. It can really break up the day and give you energy for the afternoon. Uh, and again, this is this getting outside piece. We, we really want to look at what are we already doing during the day and how can we spend more of that time outside? So that can be, you know, if you have structured exercise, instead of going to the gym, you can spend that outside, going for a run, going for a walk, doing some animal, animal flow in the park, um, running around with your kids. It's all these little things. If, you're, if you have to go to the store, think about walking or, or riding a bike instead of taking the car. These are just moments through the day when you can get outside and reap that benefit of nature you know you've probably heard of things called like grounding and just getting your feet in the dirt or tree bathing and getting out into parks into nature and like freya said they they restore executive function they have impact on how your brain functions so we want to find these times whether they're your transport times you're playing with your kids or your friends times try and spend a little bit more outside and this this goes for the winter as well we tend to be a little more eager in the summer to get out you know we're going to go to the cottage this weekend and do that and that's another big reason why people tend to have more energy and feel better in the summer because they're doing these things without even thinking about going outside but they're outside more so even for us canadians when it's really cold in the winter it is super duper important to just get outside even if all you're seeing is snow it does have an impact the nice thing about these self-care tips is that they kind of all fold into one so we're not giving you a list of a dozen different things to start doing you'll start to see the trend of how one begets the next one and so on the next one is moving now this was mentioned by every single person on our podcast it was mentioned uh first by one of our guests adrian who talked about getting outside. It was suggested by our physicians, Dr. Donna and Dr. Sue, to move as the key foundation to sort of stimulate you to do other self-care things. And then it was obviously mentioned by Chris, Alicia, Sylvie, and Alex, and Jackie. And we didn't pay anybody to say these things. <laughs> so you can listen to any of the other podcasts and find how they fit it into their days. But what we're trying to get at here is that movement is far more than exercise. There's more research coming out showing that, oh, a standing desk doesn't counteract all the negative impacts of sitting. And we knew that. It's because you're just replacing one static posture with another one. We are built to move and we operate best when we get adequate movement. We sleep well when we move. We make better eating choices when we move. And it snowballs into all aspects of mental and physical health care. So how do you fit that in? It goes right into some of the t uh, strategies to spend more time outside. If you don't have time to commit to going to a gym, say four times a week, that's no problem. There are really easy ways for you to incorporate more movement. What I often suggest for people to incorporate more at the office is that they start going to a washroom on a different floor than the one that their office is on. If you're on a one-story building, go to the washroom that's farthest away from yours. Consequently, we also would like you to drink a lot of water, so you have to go and visit the loo more frequently. 
Another thing that you can do at the office is if you have a staircase, you can go and do little laps of that. I know that sounds a little strange, but I worked in a medical clinic uh, for a couple of years. We were in the basement of a four-story building. It was freezing cold down there. And I had a lot of reports to deliver to physicians on different floors. And so I just used the stairs. And anytime a report came in, I knew I had enough time. So I'd go and deliver it right away instead of waiting for all of them to come in at the end of the day and delivering them all in one foul swoop. I kind of intentionally made myself a little inefficient by going every single time. Now, I only did that because I also knew my day had enough time because if I waited for them to all come in, I was actually going to spend a lot of time sitting having completed the other jobs. So you have to kind of figure out how that would work in your case. But what you'll often find is that if you are in a culture that's a little bit more sedentary at your desk and you may feel a little bit hesitant or weird standing up and doing things like this, it catches on. People feel good when they move. There's no need to be embarrassed by that. So you don't have to stop and start doing like burpees on the floor. That's not necessary, but just something like changing the washroom you go to, being slightly inefficient with errands, with intention at different points in the day, making sure that you get a walk outside at lunchtime. Nobody should be eating at their desk. Those are easy ways to incorporate movement into your day. And then, you know, the classic switch out of transport when you are on your way to work on your way home just add in five to ten minutes of walking if you don't already have it Um, if you're driving maybe switch out on the warmer days or the days it's easier to do so so that you can incorporate some walking there those little bits of movement throughout your day can help you decompress and it can help you feel a little bit more grounded and like you've done something positive for yourself because you have yeah and one little thing you can also do is You'll be surprised if you work in an office setting, a lot of your colleagues are going to have similar goals to yours in terms of their health or losing weight or stuff of that nature. So you can start a little intra-office fitness challenge. You know, it can be, hey, every hour on the hour, everyone has to get up. Every hour on the hour, you have to come here. We're each going to do two push-ups or two squats. You can start a running tally of how many push-ups each person can do in a day. Silly little things, they, so they seem like, can make a massive, massive difference. But this increases community and increases the impact you can have with your colleagues. And it makes it'll make it a, a much better office environment. And you will all increase your health and lose the weight and feel better together so there's a lot of people with these same goals so i find a lot of people are reluctant to say to anyone oh i'm trying to lose weight you know i don't want to eat xyz and they're kind of a little bit embarrassed about the things they're trying to do during the day to accomplish their goals when you're proud of the things you're trying to achieve and you make them known to everyone around you you'll be super surprised to see how many other people are trying to accomplish the same things and all of you will feel better about doing these things together almost like as a team than each of you kind of hiding things and trying to do them, you know, behind closed doors. It's just a much better way to go through your days. It reduces stress. Absolutely. And what you'll find is at the end of the day, you may be sleeping better because you're incorporating more natural movement throughout your day. So rather than getting a one hour workout in and then spending the next eight to 12 hours sitting, combination of cars, desks, couches, and so on, you'll find that you're sleeping better because you've had these frequent little doses of movement and uh, get a better sense of how your body's really doing with uh, the day-to-day demands. So with that said, the next one is very interesting, particularly in urban environments and in office settings, 
where many people are required to wear a certain type of attire. This was Jackie Mercopolis's healthcare tip or self-care tip, and it's her mission in life. She was on our first podcast, and it's to change your relationship with your belly. This is something that is incredibly common, and I'll even go back to when I was a teenager. I might have even been 12, and I had a little bit of a belly, and the advice from my mother was, well, just walk around with your belly sucked in all the time. And I started doing that. And I know that I am not alone in doing that. There are people who do that all the time and they might not even know they're doing it. Not only that, a lot of people will wear very tight clothing, tight belts, tight shirts, tight pants, and that is restricting your entire gut. If you sit all day, think about what that's doing to your organs inside your gut. Everything is being squished in and compressed. So when people are going through their days, they're already a little bit stressed out. Then they're eating food rapidly, not thinking about, you know, what they're doing. They're trying to do their emails and run around the office. And then they're sitting all day. People are getting bloated. They're wondering why they have these gastrointestinal issues. Well, it's because we're not thinking about what we're eating. We're not treating our bellies with respect. We're sucking them in. We're trapping them. We're doing all this kind of stuff because everyone wants to be thin. They want to look a certain way. And this is causing massive, massive problems. From a functional standpoint, um, when you have everything through your abdomen constantly under tension, you're not breathing very well, that alone will prevent you from digesting food very well. So we see a higher increase in food intolerances amongst people who are chronically stressed and perhaps not breathing very well. If you take time in your day to take a break, to eat mindfully and to get outside and move, you're doing a ton of things just in like a 15 to 20 minute time span that will support how well your internal self operates and then how well your brain operates as a consequence to that. So with the relationship with your belly, what we're looking for here, what Jackie's mission is, is to help people embrace how much is going on in there rather than be ashamed of it. And a lot of people subconsciously draw their abdomen in. If you're under chronic stress, this is paired with a stress breathing pattern, which will occur up in your chest or shallow breathing as some of uh, you might be able to relate to. You'll feel your heart rates faster. And if you put your hands on your abdomen, you'll notice that there's very little movement there. When this occurs, you are not digesting well. So that's where bloat is very common in many populations, male and female alike, but particularly those that are really high stress. So it's not the food that's the problem. It's the way we're consuming it. And it's the inability to relax some of the tissues in our hips and in our abdomen that would allow for actual proper digestion. A really easy take home that you can apply is setting a timer this was discussed in our first podcast, setting a timer for every meal. And if you have kids, do this with your kids. The meal time should take at least 20 minutes. And if you're eating in five and then sitting and resting and breathing for the next 15, that's okay. You want to try to lengthen it as much as possible. In that 20 minute time span, focus on allowing your abdomen to relax and see what happens. Um, when we start eating quickly, doing things quickly, getting stressed, getting distracted, which is why eating at your desk is never helpful. What you'll find is you're just building tension 
throughout your lower abdomen or not even building awareness of it. So in those times that you're already stopped within your day, just focus on how your abdomen feels. If you can't feel movement there by placing a hand on the sides and on the front, then use your hands as cues to help you relax into it. This is something you can do at night as well. Once you've done your brain dump, of course, (laughs) and you go to bed, just lie on your back with your hand one hand on your abdomen and the other hand on sort of your side and rib cage and see if you can encourage breath to move those areas. You'll find you'll fall asleep a whole lot faster. Your breath rate might slow down. Digestion will obviously get better and you'll be more restored as a consequence. So it doesn't mean that you have to now all of a sudden change the way you wear clothes or change the way you operate every single minute of the day but with frequent check-ins like that and allowing tension to relax out of that area you might find that a lot of other things improve and you just use other natural stop points in your day to do those check-ins yeah and if uh any of the listeners out there do suffer from you know, gastrointestinal issues of any sort of any digestive health issues. Uh, We did publish a blog called Digestive Health Solutions that we will link in the show notes. And it goes over kind of the daily steps that you can take to resolve things like bloating, constipation, diarrhea, these types of things. So um, make sure to check out the show notes and we'll you can dive right into that. But this also kind of segues us into the next piece, Freya, which is tapping into your intuition so i believe it was alicia smith who brought this one up on our podcast and chris flow yes of course and chris flow but yes because the gut is the second brain or arguably the first brain and in today's society we've really lost track of listening to our gut and our intuition because we have all these rules and structures and we seek this rigidity to find the answers so this is something where for example as a nutrition coach people come to me and they want to know what how many calories do i need to take in and what macros should i have and what foods are good and what foods are bad and there's generalities we can always go with on this but the big key i tell people is actually saying hey okay you eat this food then go for a little walk and see how it digests. Are things going well? You know, where's where's your mind? Is Are you stressed about something else? Really listening to what your body's telling you is a far more powerful tool than Google, you know, because we're all individuals. So learning to listen to our gut and our intuition is something that's a bit of a lost art and it's something that can help a ton of people. So Freya, how can we help people listen to their gut a little bit more? Well, see, this one is, it is tricky because a lot of people see that as being a little like airy fairy, right? (laughs) And hippie. But I'm pretty sure everybody has had an experience where they just have a gut feel that they can't explain. They cannot cognitively logic their way through. And if they don't listen to it, things went south. Or if they did listen to it, they felt pretty good. So at the end of the day, it comes down to respecting that. And much of the time, it might involve challenging your beliefs as well because if you are following the belief that you must work out at a really high intensity say five days a week to accomplish anything but you're feeling beat up you're tired you're losing motivation instead of gaining it intuitively your body's screaming at you if you were to pause and listen and just understand that the belief of that intensity is counter to what is intuitively sound for you then you might find a better path to success that's one example of using your intuition to make a better decision for what your body actually needs as opposed to following the belief system that maybe maybe those five days a week 
worked for you really well 10 years ago. I know I don't train, neither of us train the same way we did in our 20s as we do now. And if we were to force that, it would feel pretty awful pretty quickly. But building your own intuition is acknowledging how you feel about certain things. You will get a visceral reaction to a lot of things in your environment and in your day. It doesn't mean you have to be able to negotiate them in the sense of making a story and explaining each one of them but you do need to respect how you feel if you always feel anxious you know the night before a big meeting you just need to build a strategy around how to quell that anxiety and how to better operate going into that meeting it's not that you run away from all meetings in the future but if you at least acknowledge that you are experiencing that then do the brain dump the night before see how your sleep goes. Maybe that's the night that you take a little bit of magnesium or maybe that's the night that you watch something super funny before you go to your brain dump. Whatever it is that your strategy is, acknowledging how your body is responding to the environment and responding to the stressors and then building management strategies is a way of building your intuition and listening to your body instead of just forcing it through uncomfortable workouts, uncomfortable situations without full respect. Yeah. And a lot of the issues that we do see with people and their health these days is I feel strongly correlated or caused by not listening to your gut. You're constantly doing things every day that just don't feel right. Whether it's forcing a workout or I mean, for a lot of people, it's working a job that just absolutely does nothing for them and causes a lot of anxiety and stress. And it's just constantly going against your gut intuition. You're in a bad environment for your health and your body's screaming at you. So it's really just giving yourself again. We, the first thing we mentioned is, you know, journaling. A lot of things can come out when you do that. Just making some solo time when you're by yourself to listen to your thoughts, going for a walk. This is when you, you hear what your body's actually saying. So again, a lot of these self-care tips do roll into one another. And I guess this kind of brings us to our last one. And it's all of these things, Freya, at the end of the day, they're all about filling your own cup first. Actually taking time to prioritize your health and what's good for you, whether that's journaling or outside time or being by yourself, any of these things, it's really about prioritizing your health. Filling your own cup can look really different for everybody and that's okay. Again, it goes back to intuition and challenging your beliefs on how you should behave and then just acknowledging what really makes you thrive. When it comes to solo time, we discussed with Sylvie and Adrian the joy of missing out. And that's something that some people will hate and that's just not how they're wired. And for them, filling their cup means, you know, having a bit of time to themselves, but getting a lot of social time every evening. And for other people, that will be the joy of missing out and really just going into their own little cocoon for a while. And I'm of that party. I love being around people but I have a different limit than some other people and that's okay, it doesn't make you a bad person. <laughs> so filling your own cup really does encompass all the other ones. If you're journaling, you're getting a little bit of reflection on the day and on moving forward and what's occupying your mind. If you're fitting in solo time, you are building intuition. You are building a little bit of you time and figuring out what allows you to thrive. If you're getting outside, you're restoring executive function, which will fill your cup. Your brain can operate more 
more efficiently. You can become better at all the things that you already love to do. You can better acknowledge the things that maybe aren't serving you well. If you move, you're taking care of your organism. And if you do that outside, you've got a double whammy. And in the process of all of this, changing the relationship with how you, with your belly, by proxy of mindful eating, of breathing properly, and just spending some time slowing down your day, will all build up a really good recipe for success for your dosages to fill your cup. After the first few podcasts, this was the recap of all the self-care tips, and really the theme was fill your own cup. It's That is the overriding theme. So we've given you the self-care tips from all of our guests. We've given you some action items for those. There's been a lot of action items that we've mentioned in this podcast. So with that in mind, we always suggest people start small. So in the spirit of trusting your gut and listening to your intuition more, listen to this podcast and see what might have resonated a little bit for you. Do you need to spend more time outside? Do you need to spend more alone time? Is journaling maybe something that speaks to you? Do you need to move more? Use your gut. What is your gut? What is your body telling you? What one of these one action items do you think could help you more and apply it to your life? It's always important to start small, put it in somewhere that's meaningful, and then you can move forward and see if it actually helps by just doing one little thing at a time. So I know we've given you a lot of information today, but that's how I'd suggest you start. Brea? Start small and don't miss twice. Never miss twice. When you're building a new habit, you have to give yourself time to do it. If you try journaling one night and you say, well, that didn't do anything because my sleep was still the same, you've got to give it another shot. And don't miss twice. If you do miss the one habit you're trying to instill, like getting outside at lunch on the fifth day that you are working on this, that's fine. Make sure that you get the next day in. There will always be little misses here and there. It's not a reason to give up fully on it but do give yourself a really good dose try eight weeks <laughs> try 12 weeks and see how it goes by introducing those little habits pairing them with things that you already do makes it far far easier than if you are just trying to think of it as something more to add to your day exactly so again it kind of goes back to what we mentioned at the very beginning the easiest times it is generally to start anything new beginning of the day over lunch at the end of the day tying it to something you're already doing whether that's brushing your teeth or making your food prep doing something tying that habit in starting small and this is how you give yourself a chance to make it permanent and that's ultimately what we're looking for is you know making some permanence to these things to give you a long-lasting effect and now our last thing is we're turning the question on ourselves so dane what is your non-negotiable aside from all of these ones non-negotiable self-care tool well, my non-negotiable self-care tool is sleep. Um, it's uh, no, for real. It is. This is Freya's laughing at me right now because she understands how much I sleep. Because he could sleep for fourteen hours and be fine. Yeah, I am a very good sleeper, but it is non-negotiable because I see a drastic change in my mood, in my thought process when I get less than eight hours. I'm one of those people who needs eight hours of sleep, and so that's always my negotiation. If I have an early morning. I'm to bed early and there's there's just no getting around that. If I don't have a crazy morning, I still get up at an early time because consistency in your sleep and wake times is very, very important. So for me, 
everything kind of dominoes from my sleep. If my sleep goes off, everything else is going to go off. And I know that. So for me, my self-care tip is again, make sure that you have these staples that make you feel really, really good. For me, sleep is the is the main, main one, and I know this applies to a lot of people as well. So I would recommend to everyone out there, try and make your sleep times as consistent as possible. Always try and get to bed within an hour of the same time and always try and wake up within an hour of the same time. So there's a huge message for people out there who have a, what I call weekenditis, and they might stay up an extra three, four, five hours, you know, two nights a week and sleep in as long as they can. And then they wonder why they feel hungover on Monday, even when they're fine. So it's just really make sure you keep those sleep hours as consistent as you can get your whatever, seven, eight, nine hours, whichever type of person you are. And that's going to set you up for some huge success. So sleep is my main one. And Freya, what do you got? Well, mine is moving and moving early. So I know we've already spoken about moving, but moving earlier in the day for me is a huge way to connect, reduce pain, improve outcome for the rest of the day and consequently improve sleep, which I'm not the best at, but I try really hard at. (laughs) And if I don't move in the earlier part of the day, the effects of that are really felt throughout the day and I get antsy. I can't focus quite as well. Uh, Things start to ache a lot more because they tend to ache coming out of bed. So moving early in the day for at least 30 minutes is a huge recipe because for me personally, that cascades into absolutely everything else. That's again, another good example is I'm not like that. I movement is very good for me, but moving at any time, I get the same benefit out of that. I don't need to move first thing in the morning to feel great throughout my day. What I need in the morning is to make sure I've had a quality sleep and don't feel rushed in the morning. That's far more important. It would be bad for me to try and rush in movement. I would feel worse after that. But with Freya, that's her big thing. So again, this isn't the recipe here is not the same for everyone. It's going to be different for everybody. And so going back to the intuition piece is just listen to what your body's telling you. Work with that instead of what you've quote unquote read is supposed to work. And that's how you're going to find what self-care tools really work for you. Thank you for joining us today for the first of hopefully many self-care tip roundups. And we will catch you next time on the Move Daily Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. To hear more, head on over to Stitcher or iTunes and subscribe to the Move Daily Health Podcast. And don't hesitate to leave us a review. Thanks for listening.